Those huggies. How much to rent all three of them out for the year? The year? You want to pay for three billboards on the road that no one goes down unless they got lost or they're retards for a year? Quick, ain't you, Welby? Well, since what I say goes these days down at the Ebbing Advertising Desk, I'm going to strike you a real good deal on those billboards. Now, what was it your name was, Mrs.? What's all on what you can and cannot say on a billboard? I assume you can't say nothing defamatory and you can't say fuck, piss, or cunt. That right? Uh, or anus? No. I think I'll be all right then. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Lame Film Podcast, where we bring you some gems of the cinematic industry. Um, I'm here today with a few of my friends, and we'll be talking about three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Um, but before we get into that, let me introduce some of my amigos to you. Hey, what's up? Uh, you know who it is? It's, uh, Kevin. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I am, uh, compadre Patrick. And I'm your amigo, Ricardo, a.k.a. Richie. Yes. Yes, sir. Well, welcome. Welcome. Um, Wait, who are you? Oh, and my name's Tyler. Sorry, sorry. (laughs) Me llamo Tyler. (laughs) Tea steak? Yeah, or tea steaks. Um, But uh, how's it going? How's it going? Uh, Before before we get into the movie, let's, uh, I don't know, how's everybody doing? What you've been getting into? What have you been watching? Um, Yeah. Um, well, before we started recording, uh, Tyler, I know that you've been on The Last of Us, the uh, HBO original that is uh, adapted from Neil Druckmann's uh, video game, a very popular survival horror game, The Last of Us. Uh, I am not fully caught up on the latest episode, which is, as we are talking right now, the third episode, but uh, I heard a lot of good things. Yeah, Tyler. Tyler, what are you thinking about it so far? I'm digging it. I've never played the game, so I feel like I have a easier, you know, like non, not as critical eye of it. Oh, whoa. I don't really know how the story is going to go at all. Oh, yeah. I forgot you're not a PlayStation guy. Yeah. Tyler, I kind of want to let you borrow my PS4 along with the last of us and then (laughs) also the part two just so you can like experience it i know like people have already been like because a bunch of my friends at work and stuff all have played the game and they keep talking about it i'm like stop spoiling it and they're like just play the game right i I would say watch the since you your first experiences with the show watch the show first then play the first game after that's kind of how i feel i feel like i want to experience it through the show now first yeah, I guess because that'd be interesting to hear your perspective on that. Because I I played both games, right? And Kevin played both games, so like we have a different perspective on that end. Pat, have you have you played any of the games? Uh, I remember. I think I watched a cousin play The Last of Us way back when. So I, I know the story of the first one at least. Yeah, yeah, so all I really have to compare it to is like Walking Dead or, you know, other zombie shows. 
Yeah, except these are not zombies. They are yeah, just right. infected with a. Uh, they're fun you know, guys. Yeah, I'm a fun guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, cordyceps. Uh, it's like a real thing, you know, where these things can like uh, mind control you, basically. Uh, it's pretty freaky. I'd, I'd imagine, like, uh, if this actually were to happen, yep, The Last of Us is pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah, I put I put cordyceps in my coffee. <laughs> in the immunity. Swear to God, swear to God, it's in this like mushroom coffee that Abby's been making us. Oh, they already got you. Oh, There's cordyceps in here. I almost we started watching team. the last. <laughs> is uh, Abby watch with you? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> hell yeah. He what, was what like, you... you didn't really dig the first episode or the first mm -hmm. two episodes. Just oh, wow. Like, you know, well, I mean, she still watched it. She was just like getting scared. But then the third episode. Oh, yeah. Wow. Damn. Just that third episode. That was. Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything, but. Yeah, that one hit me tough. That was a great episode of tv yeah this is where it's really starting to hit its stride um it, it kind of hinted at what it was going to be doing with the show in the first episode like in literally the open first opening minutes um this kind of like motif is it's it's coming back and or not motif but this uh technique that they're doing or this reworking i um really appreciate the direction that it's going in it's like expanding upon like other things that would have been nice to see in the game, which it's kind of difficult to even think about that as you know, after only playing the games. But when you're watching this, you're like, huh, yeah, this is actually a really cool hidden perspective that we're, or a, a little glimpse. Um, oh man, that was, yeah, that was a really great episode. Yeah, it's it's interesting because uh, before the show even came out, there was so much backlash on like Pedro Pascal being cast as Joel and Bella Ramsey as uh, Ellie, and like nobody nobody even cared that it was being created by Craig Mazin, who did like Chernobyl, and then Neil Druckmann, who was like the creator and like the video game director of the last of us is on to like write and direct an episode of the series <laughs> and people still had no faith it's just like dude come on man like how this often is... do you get the actual director of the game to be involved you know yeah it's like the perfect um environment for it to properly thrive compared to something like the witcher which is just it's it's running around without its head on anymore yeah i feel like hbo HBO wasn't going to drop the ball on that. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited for episode three. Now that you uh, talked about it, I uh, really can't wait to watch it and talk about it with you guys. Um, Pat, are you interested at all in watching the series or it's not your thing? It uh, It's a weird, it's a weird situation where I've, I've seen the story. So when it's like, it's, it's Joel and Ellie again. Uh, I'm just checked out. If I'm gonna check out like in a post-apocalyptic thing, it's gonna be Station 13. 
Just Station the 11. Burner. Station 11. 13's an eviler number. I, I just rewatched that, and it, it it's even better than I remembered. Okay. Yeah, like that's the one. If I'm going to watch something like The Last of Us, it's going to be Station 11 versus the uh, HBO Last of Us. Dude, dude if, if you do it, I really want to hear your thoughts on it. And I watched it as sort of like a precursor to The Last of Us, like when it premiered a few weeks back. And it's been nice to go back and forth between the two um, and see how each one kind of tackles that kind of setting like you mentioned. What, uh, what service is it on? Uh, it's on HBO as well. Okay. I've been sick and I just got a little trial for HBO. So I'll be checking that out probably tonight if I can't sleep. It's it. Oh, it's been so I, I love when I'm able to fully appreciate all of the inner workings of like characters in a story. Um, and to me, Station Eleven has so many has so uh, many characters where you can do that with that it makes it difficult to say goodbye once it does happen or once oh, yeah. it does reach the conclusion. Like I find myself wanting more. Like I could have easily watched at least like another two or three episodes, or if they had enough stuff to make a second one, sure. But as just a standalone series, this is like the cream of the crop, pr pretty much. Like, <laughs> damn. Okay, I need to. This is on HBO. Yeah, and and yeah. Right. just the just the entirety of like the spectrum that you feel from like the emotions within it. It's not too serious. It's not too like it, it edges or it nears the edge of like, okay, what are we doing here? Like. That kind of vibe. Um, I don't want to say too much about it, but um, it deals with like acting, um, like the like storytelling and and mythology oh, yeah, yeah. as well. It's almost um, kind of meta in that aspect. It's yeah, like story within a story, acting within acting. Yeah, exactly. And Richie was the one that turned me on to it. Um, I think it was like a a year back or something. But um, yeah, I. I really appreciated this this past uh, watch through of it. Like it was great. It it definitely holds up still. But um, I I was also gonna um say that uh, Tyler mentioned you know like uh, other post apocalyptic shows like Walking Dead and stuff like that. It uh got me thinking about um other like standalone series that are kind of in that same vein where it deals with like zombies in general have uh any of you ever heard of the um the show from 2008 called dead set no i never uh, heard of this um it was created by charlie brooker um the person who made um black mirror yeah black yeah, yeah who uh made the black mirror series and i want to say that this is his first show that he ever made um it it's basically a zombie apocalypse going on um, in the background while this uh, have. Do any of you know the TV show like Big Brother at all? Like that competition, like the real the reality show one. Somewhat, uh, I've heard kind of that. Of, yeah. Okay, so uh, with Big Brother, it's this. Um, it used to be a global phenomenon. It probably is like, or not global, but a cultural one. Uh, at least for people who enjoy reality TV, where basically a bunch of strangers get 
uh, put into a living space for X amount of months and their entire lives are broadcast 24 hours a day on TV. Um, but they usually only show episodes every other Sunday and during their stay, they have to compete with one another and they end up forming alliances, uh, betraying people because each week they have to vote off somebody from um, or vote somebody out of the house. And whoever ends up winning uh, basically gets a massive cash prize. So you can have two people who have like, you know, gone through the entire series with each other only for like the other to like betray them in the end. Or, you know, it's even trickier if it gets down to three people because it's like the two people conspire and then they, yeah, it's, it's, it's that kind of stuff. But anyways, um, Charlie Brooker's series Dead Set is based on that premise, but let's say that those people are inside of the Big Brother household and then the zombie apocalypse is happening on the outside. What would happen? Like, how, what would that sort of look like being cut off from the world? Because in Big Brother, you don't have phone access. You don't have internet access. You don't know anything about what's going on in, you know, outside of that bubble, basically. And it, I want to say it, it's like less, it's probably 10 episodes or something. Um, or no, it's only five episodes. And um, I remember seeing this in high school and it changed my my mind. Or like, or it, it completely inspired me uh, into getting into that whole zombie fascination when I was a kid. And I loved the tone of it um, because it felt pretty realistic in the sense that what was mentioned earlier, oh, you know, this seems like it would be accurate. And it's very chilling to see it um, because you're basically watching big uh, a parody of a reality show, Big Brother. Um, and as you're watching it, you're kind of reflecting um, like your own... Oh, fuck, what am I trying to think of? Um, your own investment into... Let's say that you weren't watching the show about the zombie apocalypse. It was just normal Big Brother, like that weird kind of creepy uh, voyeuristic form of entertainment. But it's also being reflected in that in this fictional zombie one as well. It's like, damn, like what you're watching really should really says a lot about you. <laughs> Dang, this series is interesting. I, I didn't never heard of it before, but um, dude, I'm all for another apocalyptic series. It's um, so it's so great. I, I highly highly recommend it. I, I honestly want to rewatch it, um, because but I remember back then it was very difficult to find because I think it came on as a marathon on like IFC, um, and after that it's kind of like well that's it. And I think they played it during October as well, um, and that made it even more impactful on me. I was probably 14, 15 at the time. Um, but damn, I, I haven't seen it since. And it's like, oh, it's probably readily available and I just need to look for it. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm honestly going to do that. <laughs> yeah, apparently it has a spinoff series. Oh, really? Which is like, yeah, it's like a, a Portuguese version. It, ha it has really bad reviews though, so I don't know. It's on Netflix. Yeah, it's called Reality Z. 
Reality Z. Oh my god. <laughs> it's not a good boating name. <laughs> but Tyler, how, uh, how far into The Walking Dead did you watch? I think I watched like five seasons, maybe. Five, four or five. And then I just got, yeah, I got over it. Did you get? Did you get That's to the part where that mayor comes in? Oh, I think so. I think that was in like season. Two. That was pretty early on. Yeah, season oh, three. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> That's probably where I ended up falling off. Yeah, I remember like there was the Negan guy, and then I think after him, I kind of fell off. Yeah, that show just took too long. Where I hope The Last of Us doesn't do that. I bet you, what, there's only two games, no. right? So don't well, for I, th I think from what, uh, I don't remember where the source was, but they said that the second season, uh, it's already gotten renewed, but that the second season is going to be based off the second game. Yeah, so I wonder if they'll just cut it there or, like, then write their own story you know oh no i'm i'm pretty Bad sure this game. it seems pretty faithful so far so i'm i don't see any way in which they're gonna be like oh everything all the important events in, in the second game yeah we're gonna cut that out no i mean <laughs> after that after they get through the second game season three. Oh no yeah i think it's just gonna be two seasons if they are gonna do three seasons it's probably gonna be like half of the Whatever, second game and then second half of the, the you know yeah because the second game is much longer. So I'm wondering, like, if they are going to do season two, like, if they're just going to split, you know, split into, like, a couple of seasons. Because I can see that happening. Okay, okay, I have a fun question. What do you guys think would pose a better movie or a better video game adapted to a movie? Elden Ring or uh, God of War? Because I've never played God of I haven't played God of War. But I feel like you can make a pretty sweet Elden Ring quest story. Oh man, I think Elden Ring would work better as a series, and I, I can see God of War being like a one-off movie. Even though I've never played God of War. Oh, don't you have PlayStation? Yeah. Wow. Man, I. Wait, what were you gonna say, Tyler? I was gonna say, have you and Pat played it? I know the story I've, of the old ones. I've played um, one. I think I've played almost all of them except for the PlayStation Portable one. Um, I haven't played the latest one, though. However, I do agree that I think God of War would make a better film. Um, like, I could see that being successful when it comes to, like, audiences. But for me personally, I would love to see, an, like, just a one-off Elden Ring film. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, like, oh, dude, like, especially even just like training up to like fight, uh, like Godric or something like that, like something super early, that would be really awesome. Or even just like a small, you know, lord like, in like side story quest. Yeah, that would be great. <clears throat> yeah, it's hard to think of the Soul series as translating to uh you know a passive media more than a video game 
Yeah, it's like Mortal Kombat, like trying to make Mortal Kombat, I feel like. You could do a good Mortal Kombat movie. I don't know how they have it yet. Have you seen the, the latest one, Pat? Oh, it's brutal. <laughs> brutal as in, like, it gave you a fatality? Brutal? <laughs> yeah, brutal as in I wanted to be one of the skeletons on a spike. After watching. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. God, I love I, I would say God of War is a better narrative story than it'd make a better movie. And then, like, an Elden Ring or Dark Souls series could work, but it's like, I don't know, you, you can't... I don't know if you can capture that experience or that feeling of combat, which is such a vital part of the you know gameplay and enjoyment as a player. Like, how do you capture that in media like they'd have to do like a berserkification of it or something make it more character driven it would have to be like a party that's on the mission <laughs> to mend the Elden Ring do all intelligence build <laughs> pure pure magic ultimate <laughs> cheese class <laughs> And they just do Kamehameha's every time. <laughs> oh, uh, I've been watching Devilman Crybaby as well. Oh my god. Hey, hey, I love that anime series. How far are you? I am on episode... Or I think I finished episode four and I'm already like almost regretting <laughs> getting so invested. Um, Wait, how come? In in a good way, in a good way, I'm I'm <laughs> regretting, <laughs> um, because I it's like once again, like I feel myself appreciating this new perspective. Like I haven't seen an anime, I mean, like some stuff kind of like it, um, but this feels entirely like unique to itself. I really enjoyed how quickly things started going especially in like the first episode uh the visual it's like a visual f just cacophony of like of explosions just all going on at once um and i really enjoyed that but yeah it's only like 10 episodes right mm -hmm. yeah 10 and that's it oh all over after that uh, it's like Station Eleven all over again. <laughs> Wait, what made you get into the? Uh, started watching it. Um, I think. I don't know. I've just like heard a lot about it in passing and stuff, and then like also Jezzer told me how amazing the ending is, and I'm oh, like, oh, okay, well, and I think Pat, you might have mentioned it to me as well. Um, yeah, this is absolutely. Like, I, I'm purposely savoring it. Like, I'm not watching it all in one go like I did with Cyberpunk Edge Runners. I'm, um, yeah, I'm every other day or something like that. I'm just watching one episode and it's getting me to, like, appreciate it more, like, over time. There's a reason it's called Crybaby. Yeah. Get ready to have a berserk moment. Like, uh, I forget that the dog demon. The dog lord, 
the black dogs militia uh, <sighs> reading that moment of berserk where i had to like put down berserk like i need like a day break i can't be reading this no more it's like too much <laughs> that will definitely happen before double man crybaby even ends <laughs> <laughs> yeah the um what's her name is it uh mm-hmm. megumi is that her name uh, the uh, the main um, love interest. Yeah. Uh, shoot. But you just but yeah. Like bad stuff happens there, but that's not even a taste of what's to come. <laughs> yeah, it's a Makimoto or Miki. Miki. Oh my gosh! Yeah, Miki's like fantastic. She's like total um. Like, yeah, I would turn into a devil for her, too. <laughs> no, I'm a big, uh... What's the uh, friend's name? The, uh... Akira? You... Oh, are you talking about the, the tall, like, runner? Yeah, because they're all runners, right? No, I like uh, Akira, the blonde, blue-eyed. Probably my favorite character. Is that... Uh... Oh, oh, okay. The best friend. Best friend who shows up and like shoots again. Rio? Rio? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Rio. Talking about Rio, right? Got the names backward. Akira's the main character. Yeah, Akira's the main character, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you should get on this series, Tyler, if you ever want like a one off anime. What uh, service is it on? on It's on Netflix. Netflix You better watch it for password sharing is over. Monsters on there too now? I saw that, yeah. Yeah. I freaked out. Password sharing's over? Soon. Oh, Are you kidding fuck. me? <laughs> <laughs> gonna yeah, they're gonna to they're gonna annoy the shit out of you with like all these like restrictions. Like, mm-hmm. gotta like verify your device and stuff, oh, and all God. these things. Like every time. Yeah, they're, just, they're like on the hunt for that. I'm just gonna do physical media. Like, uh, well, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but like all these Netflix originals aren't even like. You know, aren't even going to be out for physical media, you know? This sucks. Uh, see, like, this, this is why piracy exists, man. Say, I, I got a physical external. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I had to buy the OA <laughs> Season 2 DVD because it was a fucking screener. <laughs> because somebody got the uh, the Emmy consideration screener for it and sold it. And I was like, bro, I want to buy this. So I bought it. But it's fucking DVD format. So I'm like, well, at least I have the physical copy. <laughs> oh man. I wanna I wanna lighten the mood real quick. I've been watching some more movies, not a lot. I watched uh, Ponyo for the first time. Is that seen? the the one with the fish? I haven't seen yeah. that one. Yeah, Studio Ghibli. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's no Spirited Away or Princess Mononoke, but the uh, art's beautiful. Uh, I really like the uh, if you like the Spirited Away train track scene with the water. Oh yeah. If you like that, you'll love uh, Ponyo. But it's more of a it's more of like a children's book story kinda. It's pretty straightforward because the protagonists are like six or eight years old. So yeah, there's no. There's no wolf girl trying to rut out the humans or anything like that. But no, it's very it's very beautiful. The music's really good. It hit that childhood fairy tale nerve where I'd get a little emotional at parts just because how beautiful it all was. 
and you know like the kind of like that the feeling of reading the alchemist where you know like just things are good it reinforces that like the world's good and there's magic in it and good things happen to those who are pure or good like inverse crybaby so if you're if you need a palate cleanser kevin i'd recommend that Oh, it is going on right afterward, guarantee. Yeah, I'm like that. <clears throat> that sounds nice. I'm like, I want to watch that tonight. I love Studio Ghibli. Yeah. And then uh, also the more adult version of that I also watched, uh, The Wind Rises. I finally seen that for the first time. It's with Anno, right? I unfortunately the trial service streaming did not have the Japanese option. <laughs> oh, like. <laughs> I couldn't handle it. If, <laughs> I couldn't handle that one scene again. <laughs> he looks at the rainbow. <laughs> I couldn't handle all the sad stuff that happens. Read by Anno. It hit too much. But yeah, that's also really good. It just holds up. It's like a less feel good because there's obviously connections to the war. But like there's a line in the movie where... Uh, it's not a spoiler because it happens at the start, but the uh, protagonist... If, have you guys seen it? I, I haven't seen uh, either I, yet. I've never seen it. I'd recommend that one more than Ponyo, especially to you, Kevin. Because uh, here this out, there's this little hook. The main character, he's a kid and he's having a dream one night. And he's in a field and there's like a, a guy on a hill who speaks Italian to him. At, start, at the start, they don't understand each other, but because it's a dream, they start to... And they're both like, what are you doing here? This is my dream. And I was like, what are you talking about? This is my dream. And I was like, oh, we must share a dream. And their dream is their passion to uh, make beautiful instruments that allow humans to fly in the sky. <laughs> oh. So it's like, a, it's like a mentor mentee kind of thing. And when they only meet through dreams, it's like a, a world renowned plane designer and this young boy who wants to grow up to be a plane designer. And uh, the Italian architect engineer guy looks at the kid and he says like you don't need good eyes to design planes and he says then planes aren't just weapons of war planes are dreams <laughs> and just great solid lines like that where he's saying like the desire to fly in the sky is like a innate dream we've all had and don't be bogged down by its use by those in power and control if you're gonna make a beautiful thing like a plane make a beautiful thing like a plane great movie yeah, this sounds like an like an incredible experience to be honest. Like it sounds so beautiful in general. <laughs> and that's not Have even you like guys seen Howl's Moving Castle. Okay, that's on the list too. That not gonna lie, that is the one I always go back to. Like I've never spirit seen it either. Oh, but it is I, uh, so I, good. Is it better than Princess Mononoke? I think that one's my favorite so far. I feel like. Mm. Mononoke is great. It's yeah, so Mon they're, they're different, mm. I would say. Yeah, they're very, very watch, different. Yeah, now I gotta watch these other ones. I I want to say that uh, How's Moving Castle is way more whimsical. Um, I I just love the world and I love the um, it, its whole reason for it being because of the house that like teleports basically to any place in the world at, and it's just. I don't know. It's like time travel in a way, but you're just teleporting. <laughs> it's really cool. There's, yeah, there's also like, 
I also really like how um, in a lot of these movies, the villains always end up having some sort of redemption. And to me, like, that just makes, like, I don't know. It's, like, such a unique outlook on life in general. Yeah, well, um, the villains in three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri, <laughs> Sam Rockwell specifically, if you guys want to get into that. That was an excellent segue. Let's do it. <laughs> so, so Tyler, this was your pick, right? Yes. Yeah. Ooh, why'd you, uh, why'd you pick uh, this film, huh? I feel like, I don't know. I just randomly, when I texted you guys, I didn't even know what movie I wanted to choose. But you know what's crazy is, is I was uh, almost going to choose. I had just watched um, Banshees, the Banshees of In and Sharon um, with like with Colin Farrell and directed by Martin McDonough too. But I didn't know that it was directed by him. Um, and this is... Three Billboards is also directed by him. But I didn't know that they both were at the time, which I think is just funny. That I unknowingly was picking either a Mark McDonough film, either way. That's that's funny. I was going to watch The Banshees of Inner Sharon, like, before you suggested this movie. So just, like... Yeah, and I loved that. Yeah. I feel like he's... Martin McDonough is one of my favorite directors, for sure. This is my... These are the type of films that I like. Have you seen In Bruges yet? Yeah, yeah, I've nice. seen that too. So I need to just watch... Um... Seven Psychopaths? Yeah, Seven Psychopaths. That's the only yeah. one I haven't seen. That one's like on a, on a lower tier end, but it's still good. Yeah, I just like the way he goes about the, the movie, you know? It's just so... Everything's so unexpected. And, you know, it always goes against what what you think would happen in a movie over <clears throat> at least for me raised on you know a lot of Hollywood movies as a kid but yeah what'd you guys think of it have you guys all seen it this is my second time watching it uh, that was my first I'd never seen this but I was aware of its Oscar buzz the year uh, it got a couple awards same. Yeah, I've seen this film. I think it's my third time or fourth time. Oh damn! Nice. Yeah. So, uh, I pretty much hated it. I just like to hate watch movies. That's why I watched it multiple times. Um, yeah, two out of five stars. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I I really like this movie a lot. Um, probably my favorite Martin McDonough movie. If I were to uh, right off the bat say that. Um. I know it's not for everybody. It's obviously an acquired taste. The dark comedy, like the absurd and offensive like humor may not stick for everyone, but um, it works for me. Um, I think everyone's like great. Like even even people with like a couple of lines, like they stick out to you. Um, yeah, I think I feel like everything comes together, even the emotional moments and like redemptive arcs. I don't know if it's like redemptive, fully redemptive but um i think just, it works for just the, the story just the arc is 
Some just certain turns for some characters is just uh I, I may it may piss some people off but um yeah I, I like that the movie is about how everyone's kind of apathetic or just kind of they don't care and a lot of people lack empathy and it's like where is everyone going now as a, as a society like this small community like why is no one caring why does no one look out for each other and yeah just I think it comes together really well by the end. So. And Frances McDormand obviously is like kills it in this movie. She's like, you know, the best part. Yeah, I just uh I it's the same thing like what Pat said for me. I heard a lot about its recognition when it comes to uh, that the year that it came out. But aside from that, I haven't, I had not been exposed to it that much. Um, I liked how quickly the uh, story came off and like got into it. Um, and then, yeah, there were like a lot of interesting characters that were very memorable to me. I like the, uh, I agree with the cast, especially there's a couple, not a couple, but there's a, like even smaller characters have standout moments or like their presence in certain scenes makes the small town feel small and lived in. And uh, yeah, like the, uh, the moment certain characters ex extend the olive branch, but the, uh, yeah, Ebbing, Missouri is just too American. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's Small just town. too American. Everyone's just too damn American, and we're at the point where that's a very bad thing because everyone's <laughs> is, pretty is, irredemptive. Is that like a negative, or are you just saying like it's like a, should it not have been this way, or did you prefer like a different setting or something? I think it's like a good commentary on like the uh, you know the rugged individualist stuff of like you know why do people not have empathy? People, you know, people recite the law. They recite, they re they reference communism as the all the stuff. They reference like structures of symbols, but like everyone's so American, where it just comes down to like might is right. Cops but are then, using their power. Yeah, but they'll still use like the they'll use symbols up until violence is it's time for violence, and everyone's so quick to violence, like domestic abuse. Uh, there's, I was kind of like, I was like, kind of, the dark comedy aspects kind of did take away when like, there's like certain serious stuff that happens. That's like, you know, unloaded, but it's like diffused by comedic relief. But like, that's just the style of the film. Like there's a domestic disturbance moment where like a child grabs the knife and puts it to someone's throat. And then there's like a comedic quip right at that. You know, it's kind of like hyper abrasive Americans. It feels I feel like I'm a foreigner in America and this is how everyone would act. That's an excellent mind. way of putting it. <laughs> right. Just just cunt this, fuck you that, racism, racism, beaten up, <laughs> pulls out a gun, stuff like that. And yeah, I feel like it's it it helps. It it's really good that there's still characters in that melting pot that have like, you know, they they extend empathy slightly maybe they have something to gain from it and you know they get teared up when they're rebuffed 
but yeah, it was just, it was great. Uh, I like the arc of a certain character. I like that there's like a little superhero element to the arc of a character. This character loves reading comic books. And there's a scene where this char a character looks like Darkman. Like their face is all bandaged up. And it's like the start of their redemption. I thought that was like oh. a funny little like superhero. Oh, kind of nod. I didn't think of that. Yeah, I just had like a feeling of like, you know, someone's in an accident. So a character is bitten by a radioactive spider. Then they're masked up. And then they're they're going overgoing a transformation. It felt like that was on purpose and intentional with that oh. character always having comic books. Uh, I like the movie a lot. My only gripe is uh, it's a it's abrasiveness, which is a part of its commentary, I believe. But still, it's a little hard to empathize with anyone at certain points. And then, without spoiling the ending, I really enjoyed the direction the ending was going. But then it feels like it's, it's kind of getting centrist, or it's kind of like you know, if like they're gonna, if the ending's gonna end the way they're gonna end it, I want, I want that abrasive viscera, because we've had so much of it, so much in this movie. Yeah, like I feel it, you on like that. A, there's like an open-ended aspect to it, but I. Uh, that would have been cool. Yeah, but yeah, that's just like my only grievance with the film. It's like, oh, I wish. I, if they're gonna do it, I know it's open to if they are or aren't gonna do what they're gonna do, but I would have loved for them to do it because it felt like they would do it, and the film would have ended powerfully if they had just done that. Without spoiling it, I'm sorry. <laughs> I almost did. I tried the dance around it. Yeah, I agree though. Like with pretty much everything you said, Pat. Um... I think the dark humor, especially that scene that you're talking about now, now that I think about it, I'm like, yeah, it, it was intense and then it's just interrupted by that dark humor. But for the most part, I think in other parts of the film, you know, it really works. Um, and yeah, like uh, in Banshees of Inisharan, it's kind of the same thing. A lot of that dark humor and in Bruges where... They kind of just <laughs> bring it out out of nowhere in the weirdest times. Even there's another scene where it's not really dark humor, but, you know, like, it just randomly scenes will go dark. The one between Woody Harrelson and uh, Mildred or whatever, when they're, like, ar arguing, talking smack to each other, and then he just, like, sneezes, and it gets way intense. Um, but, yeah, you know... I I enjoy when, you know, a scene gets, like, flipped on its head like that. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I I guess if we're going to go to ratings, I could rate it. I'll just give my rating real quick. Um, I think I'll probably give it a four out of five. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. And, you know, like the like the feeling of you know you never know where it's gonna go and the dark humor the comedy that comes through it but then it just makes you feel everything you kind of can feel every emotion of certain scenes it's sad other scenes you're laughing um you know other ones are intense and you're empathizing with people you know it just kind of makes you feel everything and i enjoy i enjoy feeling that when i'm watching a movie rather than just being you know, one specific genre all the way through. Like a heist. I love a good heist movie too, but 
It's fun to feel, you know, all the different emotions. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a three out of five. Um, I feel like for every good thing that happened in this film, there was a, <laughs> a something of equal value on the other side that just canceled it out in a way. Um, I enjoyed, like I said, lots of different aspects of the film, like certain scenes um, that really gripped me. Um, for instance, one scene between a character who was, I don't want to spoil it right now, um, let's just say that they're unjustly, uh, you know, somebody takes their anger out on them, and it's after this certain scene, it's sort of like reflecting where the two come together. Um, I really liked the direction that it was going with certain beats in the story. But then certain things would happen in very small scenes that would just leave me sort of like scratching my head. Um, and I felt like the violence was excessively grotesque in this. Like, and, and I get that that's what it's going for, but it feels like it's sort of... It, it's not... Um, it's To me, the way that it displays it on screen it sort of calls attention to how excessive it is but at the same time i feel like it isn't like the flame isn't entirely snuffed out um if that makes sense where you know somebody like it sort of i don't know it embellishes it and i didn't enjoy that um i also didn't like how of course in this uh in this area of the United States, like what Pat said, these people are way too uh, patriotic and... Racist. Uh, yeah, and absolutely racist, like down to the core. Um, and when they introduced like different twists on these concepts, it felt like it was almost underutilized in certain ways. Like uh, when new when new characters are introduced... Uh, during, you know, quite a ways into the film, it feels a bit flat at times in its uh, execution with successfully, like, integrating them into the story to where it ultimately blossoms into what it's meant to be or what they're absolutely going for. Um, and when it comes to certain main characters... I feel like the arcs are just, it's like, you, it's going at like a hundred miles an hour in certain scenes of like, you know, navigating itself. Um, and yeah, that, that just like sort of threw me for a loop. I felt like had they actually planted it a little bit earlier or even expanded upon certain beats, uh, they could have gotten a lot more development out of out of uh, the script. Um, but overall, I did enjoy watching this movie. Like I said, for every bad thing, there was also a, a great thing about it. Um, even like certain action sequences, I thought were very incredibly well thought out. And I found myself like 
completely like into what they were what they were doing um uh and even certain exchanges between characters uh i really appreciated certain moments like that throughout the story um so that's why i give it an even three um for me i would give it a four out of five i still enjoyed it just as much as the first uh, couple of times that i watched this film um i think that the cast did an incredible job i it's definitely a movie where like you have a lot of characters a lot of like i guess quirky or kooky characters i wouldn't say quirky uh maybe maybe a couple of them are but um like that stand out to you and, and are memorable i think this film does a really great job at like making everyone stand out as their like their own individual character um i don't i didn't really see them as like um, archetypes sometimes maybe maybe a couple of them would stand out like the the dad character you know um mildred's like husband kind of stood out that way to me um but, you know, I, I did like Sam Rockwell's character because he felt a little bit more fleshed out, even though, I mean, yeah, you can have like conflicting feelings about that character and you can still kind of enjoy like the 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 performance uh, from Sam Rockwell, which is like well-deserved uh, Academy Award for that. Um, and I think, I, I, I don't know, I really love dark humor. So that like offensive humor worked for me in this movie. Uh, obviously I'm not trying to like champion like ignorance or racism or anything like that. Um, like obviously this, the film is intentionally trying to like rattle you in that way. And it's obviously saying something about that sort of culture. Um, I didn't think of it as like a, an American, they're like a patriotic thing. I don't know if I saw it like that. Uh. I need to gather my thoughts on that on that end, but you know, it's all it's all about like you know protecting your own like this whole like brotherhood thing with like police and authority, and then like this whole like small town, uh, this whole like I don't know that everyone felt disconnected. Like there's a just a disconnect between the police and then this like this community, and like there wasn't any like togetherness in that regard and I don't know if like that was on purpose but um yeah I think this film for the most part like worked for me and there were some moments where like the music when it was like settling in I thought it was a bit forced uh I don't remember like the specific moments but I was just like uh the music didn't work for me here like it's supposed to be emotional or it was supposed to be like um getting all up in your feelings and it didn't work for me um but the dialogue is very strong the uh performance by francis mcdormand's really strong like that's something that you can look forward to if, if you didn't like the other parts of the film and um yeah to me when moments get cut off by dark humor i wasn't put off by that uh, i thought it worked for what the movie was going for it didn't do the whole marvel thing where it's emotional or and then it gets cut off by a one-liner. Um, yeah, I think that was all intentional, and it's supposed to make you feel kind of numb to all the violence and the darkness. So, yeah, that's my rating. 
All right. I will give it a 3.5. Uh, one of my big takeaways. Uh, I really like how they captured the, uh, to me, the like hyper, you know, the individualist, how, like you said, how everyone feels separated from each other, as well as like these institutions, like the police feel separated, separated from the community, which is more diverse and the police and the scandals that surround them that are apparently recently happening. Like, characters reference something horrible that happened, racially based. And, uh, yeah, outside of the police force, the community's rather more diverse than the institution of the sheriff and the police in the town. I did, uh... I appreciate it that they were doing that, but then it just, uh... I don't know, it felt like everyone was turned to 11. And it works for, like, setting the scene and the community. And, like, you know, it's a movie, obviously, and heightens the interactions where I can believe Sam Rockwell's character will do the things he will do, even though they're abhorrent. And no one would sanely do this. I could believe he, that character would do it, just like I could believe Francis's character would do what she does in the film. Mildred would do. But then the... uh the energy mixed with the uh, the war, it feels like this feels, you know, it's like, ink. what's the funny line? Violence begets violence. Uh, character yeah. says the wrong word for beget instead of begets. Uh, but yeah, it feels like Mildred's the main characters. It feels like her desire for her daughter's case to be solved transforms her conflict with the local sheriffs that seems like it takes center stage over like solving the case which a lot of people were resolved to not solving and then uh going back to my opinion on the ending i feel like there's there's a great redemption that happens and we feels like we're building towards you know if we can't we were sidetracked by this conflict between the community and the cops which kind of overshadowed this case well, it's like a, this abhorrent thing unsolved. I feel like towards the end they're going like, okay, we're going to do, even if it's symbolically, we're going to do something to right the wrong that was uh, Mildred's daughter's murder. And even if it's purely symbolic, the, it feels like, you know, they live in a land. What is, they live in the hyper-real. <laughs> they need symbols to be re recaptured and given power again. But then the movie doesn't show that action that to do that. To symbolically avenge even if it's symbolically you know that has power and weight to people like symbols do and i just wanted that in the end and the film does not do that unfortunately and that's why i only give it a 3.5 but again i love sam rocco's character and i just uh i enjoyed parts of the movie but i just wanted more in the end Yeah, I feel like Sam Rockwell, like, stole the show in this movie. Mm -hmm. he, but, he's um, always a stealer, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he's great in everything. Hitchhiker's guy. What was he in? He was in Jojo Rabbit, right? Didn't we do Jojo Rabbit? Oh, yeah, yeah he was, yeah. The Commandant or something. He was great in that, too. He was great in Moon. Oh, I love him in Moon. 
in Jojo he does like a pop he does like a pop art Nazi thing in the end and the downfall yeah like a David Bowie Nazi yeah got like glitter yeah mascara on <laughs> I'd do anything to catch the guy who did it Mrs. Hayes but when the DNA don't match no one who's ever been arrested and when the DNA don't match any other crime nationwide and when there wasn't a single eyewitness from the time she left your house to the time we found her well right now there ain't too much more we can do could pull blood from every man and boy in this town over the age of eight there's civil rights laws prevents that, Mrs. Hayes. And what if he was just passing through town? Pull blood from every man in the country, then. And what if he was just passing through the country? If it was me, I'd start up a database. Every male baby what's born, stick him on it. And as soon as he'd done something wrong, cross-reference it, make 100% certain it was a correct match, then kill him. But, um, okay, so I get, we're in spoiler territory now, yeah. That, um, the scene, yeah. I think, this, Kevin, you mentioned it earlier. I think you were talking about the scene where uh, Dixon, Sam Rockwell's character, when he finds out that Willoughby, the sheriff, Woody Harrelson's character, dies. He just, the way he reacts, he's like sobbing on his, on the other deputy's shoulder. And then he like gathers himself and just barges out of the police station. And then I think, I believe it's all one shot, that scene. Right? Mm -hmm. Did you guys notice that? I think so. I think it mm -hmm. is, yeah. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, just I love that scene with the music and everything. I feel like just that scene alone, it was worth it for me to watch the movie. Even if the rest of the movie would have been bad, I would be like, well, that's at least I got to watch that scene. Like, I feel like that was just a beautifully made scene. <laughs> or not beautifully, but like just the, the contrast of the music and then the violence when you go from Woody Harrelson dying, I don't know, it just, I was like, real, I, I didn't think it was going to be heavy, and then all of a sudden I'm like, damn, I really feel bad, but I'm like, why do I feel bad for this guy? I don't know, just a lot of emotions to go through in, like, two separate scenes. I like the placement of that. Yeah, Red, Red the most redemptive character. Not redemptive. <laughs> Most empathetic character in a way. We see, uh, I think we see him extend the most forgiveness in anyone in the movie. Yeah, the uh, Red, uh, Red Welby. The, yeah, um, even though the protagonist doesn't, uh, you know, show as much. You're not just saying role. that because, uh, he's, uh, you know. Ginger. <laughs> <laughs> and I love him. I love the piece of shit he plays in Twin Peaks. Yes. Uh, Caleb Landry Jones. He's a fantastic actor. Mm -hmm. But no, I, I, no he's, I like, not just because of his red hair, like myself, but I do like the, uh, the scene where he gives someone orange juice. He yeah. gives uh, Dixon after his, he suffers his burns. After receiving, you know, it's like he he gets his mentor's letter, his Peter Parker moment. He gets, you know, I'd still argue that like Dixon goes through like a little Marvelization, a little Marvel superhero arc, <laughs> but it's real. It's more real in the way that he's a piece of shit. <laughs> he's so fucking stupid. The he's dumb. He's station's racist. burning down as he's reading that letter. Doesn't even notice. 
Yeah, the room's like orange and flickering. The room's like dark. went from dark to completely bright from flames. He doesn't <laughs> notice till one hits his back. But yeah, I, I, and I feel like there's a little like knock at you know the superhero phenomenon, which is still going on when this movie was big. You know, he's he just loves reading comic books. There's scenes where I think I forget the detective detective's name. I think it's like a. I think they have a placeholder from Abercrombie, like a suit brand maybe. But the uh, the, detec the detective called in to replace Woody Harrelson's character after his suicide, played by Clark, Clark Peters, who's great in The Wire. Yes, I love him in The Wire. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's incredible. Yeah. There's a scene of him like appraising Dixon at his desk, and it's like a pan of like just trash and comic books strewn about. Yeah, I feel like there's a little commentary on that. It get, he, it gets the note from the mentor figure, Woody Harrelson, who's recently died. He suffers burns and, you know, gets bandaged up. And then he comes out, not directly, like, on the right path, but he, he's trying at least a little bit. Instead of just being a passive, you know, childlike, virile racist who has a gun and a badge that he can't find. Yeah, I like that red. I was like, here's your orange juice. Even though I know it's you and you broke my arm and cut me up horribly and you know just had like a childlike tantrum that led to severe bodily harm to me. He sees him suffering with burns on his face and arm, and then he offers he still offers him the orange juice that he offered before he knew he was him. Yeah, it's interesting because um, Caleb Landry Jones, the actor himself, is quite the interesting character uh, outside of the film industry. Mm. I don't know if you guys know anything about him, but um, no, kind of problematic. I I don't know if it's like similar to Shia LaBeouf, but uh, you know, very talent, someone who's full of talent, who's like, um, hard to like outside of film. It seems. And, uh, yeah, I really liked him in Heaven Knows What. He's like a plays a very, like, um, almost sociopathic type of character. And then, uh, if he ever watches interviews from, from that movie, uh, it's, they're very strange and funny because, like, he just has shades on and, like, he, like, responds to interview questions with, like, one word answers. And he looks really out of it. Like, people are saying he's, he took drugs or something because um, he does play like a meth addict in that film and and it has been it's been presumed that he is a method actor no pun intended but um that he was doing something like that and that he was also like homeless and did all these things and yeah very interesting actor i have to say just a little aside How terrified would you be if your dentist was coming at you with a tooth drill like that? <laughs> it's like my biggest fear. I I enjoyed that scene a lot. Um, 
that's one thing that I appreciate about Martin McDonough's films is that there's always unique moments like that inside of them where it could easily just be its own short story <laughs> no matter how small it is um but yeah that that scene was no I would that that sounds like a nightmare to be honest <laughs> like the second the, the second the vibes off I'm leaving for real I'm like okay I gotta go yeah like I'm trusting you man and you're gonna I wouldn't even have let him give me Novocaine oh yeah wait did you guys know beforehand that that was a dentist that filed a complaint on her because uh, Dixon yeah, was he said saying that like yeah he was like uh, he was like <laughs> uh, the lady with a funny eye and, and, the, and fat dentist and then and then later they had that you know scene with her and with him and I'm like when I first watched the film I'm like I know that's the guy that's the guy that hates her <laughs> you gotta get out of there yeah um I think though just like real quick if I had to rank I haven't seen Seven Psychopaths but I think if I had to rank Martin McDonough's films I think I would put this as my second favorite and then Banshee's I've been a Sharon as my first favorite, actually. And then, um, in Bruges. You guys should check out Banshees. That was pretty, it was pretty funny. Yeah, that's been on my, uh, watch list for, I want to say since it came out on streaming. Yeah. Yeah, every, kind of everybody's... Or you're like the same vibe, you know, where it just doesn't follow a rhythm. There's like no rhythm to it. Sorry, but I interrupted you, my bad. Oh no, you're all good. Um I've I've literally just heard nothing but good things about it. And I also really appreciated or I love the chemistry between both actors from in Bruges. And when I saw that they're playing like opposite each other again in this thinking like wow like uh, <laughs> like i definitely want to check it out yeah that's uh brennan it's brennan gleason right is that his name mm-hmm yeah yeah that guy's great and everything yeah he was in a really cool uh i want to i don't know if it's still ongoing or not or if it ended up finishing up but it was a tv show called uh mr mercedes and it's kind of like a suburban thriller um and he was great in it. He plays like the lead in it, and it, it was based off of um, oh god, off of like some author I want to say. Yeah, I mean, I I think Brendan Gleeson never turns in a a bad performance, you know. Twenty eight days later. When... Yeah, twenty eight days later he was in. Yeah, I mean. Shit, we got to do a Brendan Gleeson um, marathon. I haven't seen him in, like, Calvary. Heard that was really good. Um, a, a McDonough film, but, like, I guess that's his brother's directing that film. Um, yeah, but um, anyway, I wish he was in this movie. I, I, he probably would have been just as funny. 
Uh, I, I would agree with you, Tyler. I would put this film as a Martin McDonough film as my favorite. And then it, for me, it would be In Bruges. And then, um, yeah, I haven't seen Banshees yet. I want to. But uh, yeah, I guess Seven Psychopaths would be third. Um, yeah, but maybe In Bruges will take the top spot. We'll see. Yeah, I guess this um, <clears throat> the story too about Mildred's daughter, who was raped and murdered. I guess that's a, based off an actual true story. And then Ebbing, Missouri is a is just a fictional town, though. But oh yeah, yeah, I know that uh, Martin McDonough like he saw some interesting billboards one day or something, and then that's when he just started writing about this. But I didn't hear anything about the, um, but yeah, about, you know, the whole, like, you know, murder and rape part. Um, yeah, it says right here, the three billboards McDonough spotted were outside of Texas and they're related to an unsolved murder in 1991. Oh. Catherine Page, a mother of two, found dead in a wrecked car. The car, it was a staged wreck. Damn. That's so sad. That would just suck. I don't even know what I would do. I would just become a detective. And well, yeah. I mean, that's kind of what the film is about, right? Like is it? everyone yeah. just not really giving a shit except for her, and she wants to, like, you know, um, basically do what any parent or anybody would do over a loved one, right? Is to go after these people, and nobody's really doing that. Not even the dad. Or brother, or nobody. It's, it's strange, right? Yeah, that's why I love I love Sam Rockwell's arc, Dixon's arc, when he... I didn't even think of it when he scratches his face, the killer's face, when he overhears him talking. And then, Do you think he actually did it? Like, he's the killer? Oh, yeah, for sure. No. No? He's a brave soldier. You guys take that back right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Yeah, I, like, which I think that's a comment too on like Woody Harrelson's character allowing Dixon to be employed there. You know, even when other people were saying like, "How is this guy still here?" When he whatever, like they said, he tortured um, somebody previously that he had arrested or whatever. Yeah, tortured people, peoples of color. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have to get mm -hmm. that right. <laughs> and then same 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 for the new chief his first or like his first case that he does is i mean we're gonna assume that he's already you know letting someone slide because they have ties to police force in the military no they were it's the class no he was expressly like out of country when the uh the murder of the daughter happened like it literally couldn't have been him but there's obviously a intended parallel that uh the stuff the stuff that's happening here is that you know it's happening over where he was it's happening where we send our heroes and our heroes right. are also the ones doing it it's it's, it's highlighting right. the, the inherent that, hypocrisy that's what i thought too like yeah. well the first time i watched it i thought he's the one who killed her right but then watching it this time around, 
when he was talking about you know uh, similar things to what happened to our, the daughter I thought okay yeah maybe he did do that overseas you know maybe he did do some war crimes over there um I'm just that's I what I figured thought. he was lying. I'm like, that just seems too similar to me, especially if you're gonna come back. But but the time. but the, I, I don't see the chief being that way, no? Like he fired Dixon, right? Off the bat and Well that's like he seemed more no brainer that one. <laughs> you have to. God, he doesn't he doesn't seem like the two conniving story, two story you know, for no reason. Yeah. No, you watch him do it and then he, he he's like aggressive to you as you're coming in on your first day. Yeah. I don't know, yeah. I guess he could be right. I just figured that he's just lying. He's like, yeah, he was out of town. It's like... No, I think I think it's a... Com That's why the ending for me... But I like doesn't... I like what you're saying, too. It's like, yeah. You know, it's happening. It is happening everywhere. Just terrible. Yeah. That's why I, wa I wanted to see the symbolic... Like, I wanted to see them, like, shotgun that guy. Like, just him become, open the door. Yeah. Just become just two vigilantes of justice. Not even vigilante. It's just like for this <laughs> for this guy, he can't get away with what he did, and it's symbolically like, you know, avenging Mildred's daughter. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's just you know, it's it feels like a if they're gonna do a concrete statement or stand, uh, a recapturing of symbolic action. I know, agree because it, it, it could only be it could only be be symbolic because they have no way of finding the direct person responsible. So the least they could do is. Especially what you were saying earlier with like the abrasiveness. Yeah. And then yeah, and then I, I like that I like the commentary about like, you know, referencing how he's like a troop in this hyper you know, this very American town. Not like directly patriotic, but like concepts of the selfish, greedy, ignorant, racist American. Like you know everyone there, like they fucking love the troops. And they they'd view the troops doing something like that as either like not possible or just like justified yeah or justified even then. even the sicker ones of like you know i forget how late this film was but like there was you know there's like an earnest bloodlust in the early 2000s i'm sure we're all old enough to remember that there was like a there was like in certain spheres would be like a genuine like we need a nuke you know afghanistan <laughs> we need like abhorrent like horrors to be inflicted on these people and I, I think the film's just like the uh, the film's doing a little commentary on the whole American psyche. And then, yeah, I think it's very purposeful that they could have used for the symbolic revenge. They could have, like, you know, killed one of our brave troops in cold blood. It, I felt like it would have been a powerful statement and scene by the director in the film. But, you know, they play it safer, which I am not a fan of. Like, if violence, you know... Killing just leads to more killing. Uh, what's the solution for the characters? Are they resolved to, you know, just continue that cycle? Or are they better than that cycle? But then, you know, we come into this town and everyone's already so passive about the cycle of violence that it's not achieving anything. I feel like it would have been... It would have had a way to symbolically kill the soldier. make the audience reflect about our passive passivity as well as a commentary on like this stuff still happens uh 
There's a recent. I, I saw news that there's there's been recent cases. I don't know if you guys remember the JSOC killings, the Fort Bragg murders. Mm -hmm. Apparently, there's been like more stuff coming to light where like there's possibly the chance these guys will be. Some of them will be tried. There's people testifying like, yeah, there's special forces guys doing hard drugs and trafficking child children for sexual exploits and like all this abhorrent stuff. And it's like, yeah, they these guys are like killing machines. They stab children in foreign countries. They, they like kill child soldiers constantly. Some of them come to enjoy it and they're being flown back home. And they're being expected to just, you know, integrate with our society, even though they view everyone as beneath them and killing as second nature. And it's just like not good stuff is happening even here now in our own country. But it's hard to acknowledge those creations because, again, they're meant to protect and serve our interests abroad and kill people have, where we're not supposed to see them <laughs> and think have, about them. Have you guys seen that movie um, Casualties of War? No. With uh, Michael J. Fox and and um, Sean no. Penn, like because uh, kind of kind of related, like it's um, based off the the true story of the the soldiers that kidnapped uh, a young Vietnamese woman during the Vietnam War, and they like basically like gang raped her and then murdered her after that, and like the um character that matthew or not i'm sorry michael j fox plays um he like tries to um get them to stop and he like you know he reached out to his superiors to get them to like punish these guys before anything terrible happens and nobody stopped them nobody did anything until like you know until it got really 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 bad um yeah these kind of things like yeah they happened right they happen still uh, overseas and yeah the whole that whole story was so like dark and it was terrible like um i remember watching it as a kid and i was i didn't know it was based off a true story and um yeah like uh you know even the actress playing her was was great and that was her, her only role and it made me sad like she never did anything after that um yeah and then reading into the true story uh is even crazier is that like the character that michael j fox played is uh like a leader of like a kkk like church group so it's just like jesus man these god yeah it just yeah just terrible all around still but man yeah yeah the real evils are worse than the movie ones so at least in the movie shoot the soldier <laughs> i don't yeah it's, so, it, it's, if it yeah. upsets people, that's even more thing for them to think about. Basically, that guy didn't probably do it, but he's guilty either way, right? Is what we're yeah. saying. So, <laughs> well, it's, it's the thing of you know, do our protagonists only value it when it's value getting the murderer when it's someone we know, or you know, is someone who does that should they not be allowed to, you know, be a free person? Is it so abhorrent? You know. I feel like it plays it safe, which is the cardinal sin big movies do. This is why we got to get in the writing room together, boys. I'm in the room. I'm saying you got to kill him. Yep. <laughs> Practical effect, effects and all. Just like oh, yeah. the most violent, explicit scene, Patrick, that you can think of. 
Hey, we didn't get a review on Glorious Bastards yet. <laughs> Are we gonna go full Gaspar Noe? I, if we're if, if we're gonna celebrate the symbolic <laughs> of vengeance, I want it to be you know I want it to look good. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think yeah. I mean, I think I'm good. I'm good uh, on my discussions. I really enjoyed the movie. I really enjoy all of Martin McDonough's movies. I, I'm going to watch Seven Psychopaths now. But, um, yeah, I mean, if you guys have any closing thoughts or uh, anything else you want to add. I think it was well worth the watch. I, like I said, I enjoyed it. And... It makes me want to check out even more of his films because I just love the tone and the style of it all. Like, I'm definitely going to check out Banshees of Inishirin. And I, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to that. Yeah, I think his, I feel like his style would maybe be fit, like, for a t type of TV show, too. I feel like like an office type of TV show with his dark comedy would would kind of work and be funny. But um yeah, otherwise yeah, definitely watch this movie. Um thank you everybody for listening. Send us some suggestions, comments on our uh Instagram at layfilmpodcast or email at layfilmpodcast at gmail.com. Um, send us your conspiracies for Pat and we'll throw it on the next con Pat, Pat conspiracy hour <laughs> um, but yeah thanks for listening and we will catch you all next time later Hey, Dixon. Yeah? I need to tell you something. It was me that burned down the police station. Well, who the hell else would have been? <laughs> Dixon? Are you sure about this? About killing this guy? Not really. You? Not really. I guess we can decide along the way.